Hello, and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about different topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist, the passion for helping busy adults tone up, lose body fat, and feel good. Kayla Diamond, the one, the only. I'm excited to have you today. I feel like we are in for such a treat only because we both have dogs in here. Mine is doing her own thing. Yours is doing her own thing. And it's just going to be a good time. Our intention is to have a somewhat health and fitness related podcast, but we have no idea what direction this is going to go. Honestly, like just whatever happens, happens. Like let it happen. I always say nothing's off limits. So we're really proving that here today. Uh, But Kayla, I'm super excited to talk to you. Not only have I gone through your coaching program, but I've got to work with you in professional settings. And I've had the absolute honor and luxury of being your friend and becoming your friend through um, our business ventures. And so I just want to kind of give you the floor to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thank you so much for that. Um, I just love you so much. I've always, since meeting you, what, two years ago, two and a half years ago, I've always been drawn to your personality. Just your, just who you are is so fun. And you're so like, um, what's the word? It's contagious. Like your energy is so contagious. I've always like been drawn to you. So I just love that we've been able to have this connection forever. And thank you for saying all the super nice things about our coaching program. Ian misses you. Um, I am really excited just to chat. I'm excited um, because you and I always have really fun conversations off the record and I'm excited to actually bring it to an actual, actual platform for people to listen to if they're so inclined. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I think that's great. Like you said, we just have a really great energy together, but I think that goes from just, we have similar business backgrounds. We also have similar backgrounds in terms of like what we've done. You've been an athlete. You kind of came from that athletic background and you're like me. We just want to like, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily intentional for you, but you move around a lot. You get to kind of be a nomad. And I have that same spirit. We both are obsessed, weirdly obsessed with our pets. Um, (laughs) We only have uh, so much love for people, but we really just like love our pets so much. Funny side story, when Kayla was in Austin for a conference, she kept having to check in on the doggy daycare because she missed her dog so much. I was really (laughs) nervous about that. That's the first time I had left Rosebud by herself ever. Um, And she was young, very young, like six months and seven months. And so I was so nervous. I was so nervous. Like I couldn't sleep. I was like freaking out. You were really nervous. Yeah, you were really scared. But I get it now. I have Bunny and she is just the light of my life as she eats dirt outside. Um, Yeah, it's pretty much it. But no, I am really interested today to talk a little bit about your background before you were an online coach because I am so interested in this idea of sports performance and working with athletes. And I think that's 
a really unique and a cool area that you got to work in that not a lot of people hear about or talk about because it's not something a lot of people have access to unless they are an athlete. Um, and your husband also works with professional athletes. And so you guys really have a cool perspective on what professional and college athletics looks like. Now you used to work with swimming and diving. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. I've worked with many different sports, but that was the one that I really, the one that really kind of shaped my career uh, working with swimmers and divers. Um, but yes, I worked with them exclusively, um, right after college. Okay. Very cool. And your husband, he works with professional baseball teams, correct? Yes. One baseball, one baseball team. Okay. Yes. But you guys, you guys are often, often moving around and all over the place and he does PT, correct? Correct. Yes. Very cool. Yes. Does he ever give you insight on how to structure workouts for your athletes with his PT background? Yeah. So we uh, chat quite a bit, not as much anymore, but we used to like, that used to be really the cornerstone of our relationship was talking a lot of shop, talking a lot of strength conditioning, talking a lot about, cause I, cause I was an athletic trainer. And so that's where we met was in school for athletic training. And so we had that very similar background. When he went on to PT school, I decided to pursue strength conditioning full time. Um, so we have a lot in common. We ha- we both know a lot and we both know that we know a lot. So sometimes it can get a little too much. And um, so we don't talk about it as much anymore. But they, like I said, they used to be a, a common thing, thing that we would talk about would be, um, programming together. And now it, I think I've evolved in like my ego and like, he's really, um, opened up his mind to other things. And so it's a little bit better now that we're in our thirties, um, about having a conversation where we're not trying to be like, well, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Kind of thing. So it's, 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 I like where it's at right now. Good. Yeah, I think that's actually really cool. Um, I did an episode, I think it was my first season on the podcast with a PT. And we had PT as in physical therapist. Uh, We've had a lot of conversation in regards to how both personal training or fitness coaching and PT are both really important aspects of having a healthy body and a healthy fitness life. And if we were all able to collectively work together to create programs that uh, physical therapists could allow personal trainers to really hone in on and perfect for their clients, it could be a really beautiful relationship. But that's not something that the industry has totally allowed yet. Mm, Not yet. That is something, though, that they do have in the college setting. That's something that they do have in the professional setting. It's it's really... High, high performance. It's a, it's a high performance model that my husband talks about a lot. But um, as far as um, online, the online community, um, not yet, but we're getting there. Um, currently in Evolve, we have a clinical nutritionist that we can uh, bounce ideas off of. We can um, use his expertise in testing and our, our uh, functional testing our athletes. So that way we can stay within our scope of practice and we can all just like have this like higher performance um, type of, of company, which is really cool. So not yet, but it, it's definitely coming or it should be coming because 
you know, online fitness coaches, amazing, can't do everything. Just like a clinical nutritionist can't do everything, right? So it's important to like lean with each other in this space instead of like work against each other. Because there's honestly, there's plenty of clients for everyone. I totally agree. I think that we've all realized there's a lot of business to be had and out there. We just all need to understand how to work collectively together for the better of the people we're serving. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kayla. So I'm particularly interested to talk a little bit more about your strength and conditioning and athletic background, because as I mentioned, we were both athletes. I believe you were also an athlete um, and you've worked with a lot of athletes. And something I see a lot of times with people I've talked to or with my own clients and with myself is coming out of the college athletics, you're not necessarily prepared to go into the real world and maintain the physique or the habits that you developed as an athlete. And you may think, well, you were an athlete, you should have picked those things up. But in college athletics, it's sort of just handed to you and you don't necessarily learn or understand how to continue those habits. So what are some of the things that you've seen and why do you think there is such a difficulty transitioning out of college Mm -hmm. athletics into the real world? Mm. Okay. Yes. Well, first, I in college, I actually was not an athlete. I was an athletic trainer, so I was a like an athlete in high school and had a general athletic background. Like honestly, every kid, I was not special. Honestly, like when it came to athletics, I was actually quite lazy. Um, but in college, I was in athletic training, and so when you're in athletic training, you are like part of the team. You're part of the team. You know, you're their guy, their girl. And so you get to see a lot of of athletes. You get to see them in their day to day. We spent hours, hours with them. So, so many hours. And so you really do become part of the team and you, you, it's really cool in that regard. And um, as far as, so from athletic training, I just realized like, I didn't want to be on the preventative side. Like I didn't want to be on the reactive side. Athletic trainers um, are amazing, and obviously, with the recent events of, of the Buffalo Bills, they're going to like, like being reactive, reactive. Is very important, especially in um, in athletics. But I really found more joy and more fulfillment in the preventative side and the high performance side. So, how can we get these athletes to perform better so that way, like we don't have injuries or as many of them? And so, I shifted my focus into strength conditioning, and I um, I still did athletic training after college. Um, that's where I worked with the swim and dive team. That really, really shaped my career. So a lot of them are, are um, have been athletes of mine, which is really cool on the online side of things. But then I got into more strength conditioning, and I started working in uh, college and mostly private sector, which allowed me to evolve into like strength sports and working with youth sports and, and things of that nature. So that's a very quick synopsis of just kind of my path. I just was an athlete. I was an athletic trainer, decided I wanted to be uh, more on the high performance side. So I decided to pursue strength conditioning, get my CSCS certified um, strength conditioning specialist, and then just like hone in on that and um, really did make me most happy. Throughout those years, though, I did work in tandem with them both. I would work as a high school athletic trainer, but like also like their pseudo strength coach. And so that was also a good time. But as far as coming out of athletics, that's a big deal because it's already so hard to come out of college and realize, oh, okay, this is where life starts. I have to 
buy a house. I have to or rent an apartment. I have to figure out insurance. I have to pay taxes. Um, <clears throat> I have to get my car serviced. I have to do all these little types of things that they, one, don't teach you. They don't teach you how to invest or how to do any of these really important things in college. Like It's just academia. Um, so it's not only figuring that out, but then also navigating your health and fitness. And most athletes are fine up until a couple years because they're, they're excited to be out on their own. Like they'll just hit, hit up orange theory and they'll just like, you know, you know, as far as nutrition, they might not be eating very well, but they're train really hard or, or work out really hard and they're fine until a few years down the road. Typically is what I see is like when they start to have a family, they're dating, they're married, they're this life stressor, they're moving. And, and so it's when the life stressors hit, they're not prepared for that. I mean, neither really is anyone, but especially former athletes, because it's, it's so hard to do life, figure out fitness, and also have these life stressors that, that were not there before. And it's just the accumulation of everything. And I've seen most on the injury side of things. Well, I was injured. I injured my knee in athletics. And now I don't really know how to go about my fitness because all these hit classes hurt me. So I'm going to go into the weight room and, and lift, but I'm not really getting, getting anything out of it because I don't really quite know what I'm doing. And then it just kind of becomes a spiral. Yeah, I definitely think that the life stressors is a huge thing because yes, college is stressful. College is hard, but like it's not, it doesn't actually prepare you for what's happening in life. And I think that again, as athletes, we assume like, oh, I can just go into the weight room and lift some weights and I'll stay in the shape, but your body's changing, you're getting older and you kind of don't know how to make workouts because you were never taught how to actually make the workouts. Or yeah, I mean, unless you were in exercise science, you might've had a class on that, but you know, a lot of athletes didn't have to do exercise science. They did other, other things, which is fine, but they don't, they didn't have that knowledge. And so like, we didn't teach them or we're not doing a good job teaching them of how to um, create workouts and how to progress and how to, you know, a lot of athletes, when they come out of college, they decide they wanted to like compete in like um, marathons or, or triathlons or Spartan races. They don't know how to program around that. Yeah. And I think that depending on what your sport is, I actually recorded another episode with somebody who was also a college athlete. And we were saying that you know, I was on the cheer team and we had workouts we had to do, but our required workout was kickboxing. And so all we did was cardio and we never had to focus on lifting weights. And mm. I now see, and again, that was almost, I think, oh my gosh, at this point, that was like more than 10 years ago. Um, so that being said, I know that's always like scary when you say it, you're like, <laughs> what? Well, it was a long time ago, but when you, when you look back at that things, yes, may have changed and maybe the ideologies of the coaches and the trainers have changed, but we were just doing cardio on top of the other cardio we were doing. And we never were required to lift weights. Imagine our tumbling skills or imagine the guys that were lifting us girls were actually doing weight training. Now I'm sure they did some weight training. There's no way they were lifting hundred plus pound girls without having done some weight lifting. But imagine had we had specific training programs for us. And I think the one thing that does suck about 
cheerleading as a general sport, which is a very athletic sport that requires a lot of strength. Um, Mm -hmm. We are not considered a sport, or at least at Mm -hmm. my school, we were not considered an actual sport. We were still technically considered a club team. And so we didn't have, we had some access to the weight room, but we didn't have the same access that the other athletes had. We had like one day where we could do like a 30 minute session, um, but we didn't have the same access as the other athletes. What's most concerning about that to me is like the access, the lack of access to like medical care. So like cheerleading is a very high impact sport that has a lot of like injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when they aren't, and I can speak from experience, so nobody, like no athletic trainer is assigned to the cheer team. They're assigned to like three other sports and then the cheer team, they all, everybody just kind of helps out with, you know, but like no one, like we don't really have like a specific athletic trainer for cheer team, unless you're at a school that's where it's really big. And so the concern with that is, is that, okay, these women are, are, are getting hurt or they're, they're, they're cheering through injuries that they really don't need to be. And then once they get out of college, they're like kind of, kind of screwed. Like, what am I, what am I going to do? Because I didn't get the support that I needed. And that's not just cheer, cheer team. Like that's like club lacrosse, but that's like all the club sports in college. Um, That's like, you know, maybe golf because, you know, golf isn't as big at some, some universities. So that's why I think like we, the universities can do a better job of like, like educating the athletes as well. Also too, you have to be uh, open to that education. And I, sometimes when you're an athlete, it's like, I, I don't have capacity for, to learn anything else. I have to learn plays. I have to learn this and that, and I have to, you know, get good grades. And so I do see where it's like another thing that would have to be on their plate, but that's why it's important to have resources for your athletes. Like, Hey, you're graduating. Here is a list of professionals that can help you. So as an athletic trainer, having been Mm -hmm. on the backside of things, actually training these athletes, how do you Mm -hmm. think you could have prepared athletes better to go out into the real world? Hmm. Yes. That's a great question. Um, so I was always, I always found joy in like dual role, dual role, athletic trainer and do strength conditioning. Like when I did rehabs, they were in the weight room. They were not, I tried not to keep them in the athletic training room. Nobody wants to be in there anyways. Honestly, like sad, like get in the weight room. Let's train. Let's do what we can do. Let's have some fun. And so, um, I was really big on like educating them, like just throughout the, um, just throughout our sessions together, I treated them. I, or at least I feel like I did. I feel like I treated them like they were a very special case. I tried to make every single person I worked with like, Hey, you're like, you're special, like you're a special case. Let's, I, I saw this. I want to try this with you. Like I have this program written for you. And when they might meet with me two times a week, but they're expected to go into the weight room and do their rehab two other days per week that I'm not there. And so I have to teach them how to do that on their own. And so more athletic trainers, more strength conditioning coaches need to empower them to do them, to do the power of the athletes to do their rehab or their training on their own. So that way like they can grow that um, knowledge and become empowered. If you're just sitting there counting every single rep and set and you're holding their hand the whole way, like they're not going to learn anything. And I think especially in big division one schools, like they, 
athletes are handheld, rightfully so. They do, they put their body on the line. Like they're doing a lot for the university. So, you know, they're, the staff is expected to be at their beck and call. Yeah, so that's interesting. Down to like empowering them to be able to do things on their own, even if they're with you. Like, you know, um, you know, if we have online clients who we text every single day, like how much are they going to learn? They're going to just kind of rely on us, right? Yeah. So that's the same thing when you have athletes that you're working with in person. It's like, hey, come, we'll see, I'll see you twice a week, but on the other two days, like these are things that you can do on your own. And here's how. Yeah, and you have to teach people. Like, you can't really – I mean, you can't really – you cannot at all do it for them. And, like, having that Mm -hmm. self-efficacy and understanding and knowledge is so, so important. And I know you preach this to your clients, as do I, that education is everything. And you really Mm -hmm. can't succeed unless you do hone in on the education side of coaching because that's where you're really going to get the value. You can do all of the workouts, all the nutrition things. Great. But at the end of the day, you have to have the education to be able to go out and do that on your own. And that's really what our goal as coaches is, is to make sure you leave feeling educated and like you got Mm -hmm. value out of what you learned through a program. Right. And resources too. Like, hey, you graduating, you're graduating. Here's a packet. Here's how to do this. Here's how to like your insurance. Here's how to like file like taxes. Like here's like how to do all these things from life and you go over that and here are some coaches and here are some professionals that can help you in this journey. Like that literally takes no time or effort or money from a uh, team that they can do for their athletes. So if you're listening to this and you're a coach, um, even on the high school side of things, like, you know, um, that's definitely not real life. Like, 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 you know, you're going to encounter stressors in college. So even if you're an athlete or if you're a coach to a club team or a high school team, like that's also really, really good because we don't, again, we don't learn that stuff in class. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like we haven't even dove into the high school side of things, the high school athletics. Cause I feel like that's its own huge arena where there can be so much education, but that is a bit of a challenge because at the end of the day, you have to remember these are 14 to 18 year old students who probably just don't care as much. Now it's going to depend on uh, the demographics of the school you're in, the community you're involved in, but um, really just making sure the athletes understand as much as they possibly can, uh, if they're willing to, to take that in, I think is, is really huge. I was just so clueless uh, in high school and gosh, even in college, I had no plans to even be a college athlete and it kind of, fell into my lap, which is really mm. terrible. Um, I had no plans on joining the cheer team. I just went to a clinic and they told me to try out. And here, here I am. Oh my 10 God. Years later. That's really cool. And that takes like talent and a lot of balls to do that. So nice job. Oh, we know I am not missing the balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, And yeah. And so as far as like strength conditioning with that too, it's like, yeah, just like, you know, as you're coaching. And so this is great for in-person trainers when you are coaching, like you don't need to be a rep counter, like don't just count the reps. And, you know, obviously I'm preaching to the choir because you're like a great in-person trainer, but like you have to educate your clients as you, as they're going through, 
exercises like hey where do you feel this like hey what do you like just a lot more education during the actual training piece of it what i see happen is that strength and conditioning coaches and trainers become rep counters they become um punishers they become um like these these things that they don't need to what am i trying to say they just they're not educating. Now I'm saying they, a lot are, I know a lot of amazing strength coaches. I know a lot of amazing personal trainers and I know a lot of the people who do this and they educate and that's what makes them so good. But I also know some who don't and some who sit on their phone while they train clients, some who just talk about personal stuff the whole time while they're training clients and not educating um, and not seeing if they're doing things correctly. And, you know, if, yeah, if you want the business model of having somebody always has to need you, that's great. But like, we want to empower people to like be better on their own. And that goes back to doing it in college, like for your athletes. Um, and yeah, that's how I would change it. I would, I would just a lot more education, a lot more resources is what I would do. Yeah, I love that. And I want to, I'm actually going to circle back to that comment you made about personal trainers because something Mm -hmm. I've personally realized about that is yes, I agree. And I think a lot of personal trainers kind of go through that phase where they are kind of a rep counter. Maybe that's just a lack of education as a trainer yourself, where you're like, okay, I don't really know how I'm supposed to interact with this person. Or if it's maybe a client that doesn't feel like, the right fit for you, whether it's somebody that you're too close to and it turns into just a social hour, or if it's somebody you genuinely don't connect with and you are like, I have nothing to talk about. So I'm just going to count reps to like fill the void of empty, empty noise. Um, so I think that for me personally, and I'm speaking this out of experience from today is I trained people that were out of my demographic. An older couple was a man and a woman. I have actually never trained a couple together um, in person. I have online, but I've never done in person. And he had some injuries. They used to be CrossFitters. But being able to work with them and ask them how they were feeling, where they were feeling the movements, if it felt good for his injury, And to tell them, all right, we're going to be doing three sets. Here's how many reps we're doing of each exercise. They were able to count for themselves. Anytime she said, are we almost done? He said, no, we've got one more set. And just, it was kind of comical, but it was also empowering for them to then be able to, this was like a consultation. So whether they choose to do personal training or not, now they understand at this first phase in their fitness journey, they know how many sets, how many reps, and they knew how long it took to get through that workout. And I actually wrote down exactly what we did for them, how many reps, how many sets, how much time we rested so that they had that information to then take on their own should they choose to do those workouts. And I think that as coaches, to almost get outside your comfort zone and work with people that are maybe not your core demographic because we get so set. And like as online coaches, we're searching for a specific demographic that we want to work for. And we're like, nope, this is my demographic. I've honed it down. I've done every, every worksheet to tell me who my ideal client is, but sometimes stepping out of that ideal client to challenge yourself is a really good way to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you are only training women ages 21 to 32, and you never train a man, you're going to have a really hard time being a versatile trainer if you want to make any shifts or changes in your career down the line, in my opinion. Yeah. I would straight up tell people, like, I'm not here to count your reps. Like, I'm not counting your reps. And we would even, um, 
not get their weights for them. Be like, all right, so grab this, grab this, grab this, meet me over here. Because, and we did that with the kids we worked with. We do it with the high schoolers, the college athletes, pro athletes, adults. That's what we did because, and that was the culture that we built. Um, I see too many times, I see personal trainers getting this and then get this. And then their clients are just freaking standing there like bored. I'm like, put your client to freaking work. Like it's, they're not healed. You're not their slave. Like I was not, I was so big on that. I'm so big on that. Like I, just because I'm a personal trainer, that does not mean I'm going to make sure everything is perfect for you. Like you can grab this, you can help me do this. I'm not going to count your reps. I'm going to coach you. And I think when personal trainers are like, so focused on the stuff. They're so focused on like getting the perfect dumbbells in line and they're like counting the reps. And it's just like, you don't, you're not coaching. Like you're not doing anything. You're just like facilitating. Yeah. And teaching people how to choose the right weight for them is always a really important one that people forget about because as an online coach, I know you've experienced this. One of the most challenging things for clients is understanding how to choose a weight that is right for them in certain exercises, whether it's they think it's too light, they think it's too heavy, this workout wasn't hard enough. If I see one more time somebody saying a workout isn't hard enough, I'm like, you are not choosing the right weights because I've done this with the right weights and I know it's hard. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a matter of teaching people how to make those decisions for themselves. And if they don't know how to do that, they've never picked up a 40 pound weight and knows what, know what that feels like, then they're going to never pick up that weight. Cause they're going to always think, Oh, that's too heavy for me. I, there's no way I could lift a 40 pound weight. Yeah. They lift it. And then they're like, Oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I just, yeah, when it comes to post um, athletic career, um, you know, unfortunately athletes, they get to a point where their body composition isn't the same. It's not favorable. They're not as strong. They're eating whatever. And then a couple years down the road, they're like, man, I need to do something. But they're doing things like hit classes and doing juice cleanses and, you know, um, all of these, th- all of these like silly things that they, they're, they're doing things where people tell them what to do because that's all they've known. So they go to a meal plan or they go to Orange Theory or they go to like burn boot camp or they go, which CrossFit is fine. I have no issues with CrossFit. I think that's a great. Um, but then as far as nutrition, they're just like following blind, a blind program that they found that was easily accessible to them. And like, Hey, just tell me what to do all the time. I'm on a phone call with athletes. I'm an athlete. Just tell me what to do. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. Like, great. You're going to learn to count your macros and you're going to learn how, like what types of foods to eat. They're like, okay, I can do this coach. I'm like, yeah, I know you can like, cause you're really smart. And so like, you don't need to be following just plans that just tell you what to do without reasoning. Like that, those days are gone. Yeah, I, I agree. I see that a lot. And having been an Orange Theory coach full time, <laughs> I definitely saw that um, where, again, people that are more so inclined to do something like that really don't want to have that education. But at some point they do. And so I think that when they're ready, there's there's definitely people out there to serve them. But Kayla, I want to talk a little bit about your personal fitness journey. And I want to talk about your kind of your CrossFit journey because you went from bodybuilding and being in that bodybuilding world, the strength and conditioning world. And then a couple years ago, correct me if I'm wrong, you made the transition over to CrossFit. And I'd love for you to talk about that because CrossFit is kind of, it's one of those things where you love it or you hate it. 
And I feel like there's not a lot of in between. And so I just want to hear your personal perspective about the workout, like what body composition changes you've seen or like what maybe you've learned from CrossFit. Oh my gosh, so much. So the reason why I started actually is just because um, I really, I, I, I was, I just wanted to be told what to do. Like I um, had coaches my whole like life and I just wanted to go in and work out with people and not work out by myself and just like get pushed a little bit harder. And that's really why I did it. And I wasn't expecting to like love it as much as I did, but I started getting addicted just trying to see like if I could string in uh, string uh, kipping pull-ups together, if I could string rope climbs together and all this stuff. Luckily, very luckily, I had an amazing, amazing CrossFit box and coach. Like he is so smart. And, um, you know, I've, I've worked with some amazing coaches, like alongside amazing coaches. So I know what like good coaches are, what good coaches are not. Um, and like the whole shout out CrossFit Benetonka, the whole, they're all so great. Um, the culture was so fun and my body composition was the best that it had ever been. I got like super lean. I was strong. Like I was feeling really good. Um, but I wasn't doing just Metcons. I was doing strength work. I was doing, I was running, but the downside of that, like to look, to feel and look like that, I did have to work out like six days a week. Like it would, I, but I would, I was like committed. I was like watching like Matt Fraser documentaries. I was like listening to eBooks of like Catherine Davis. I was like, this can be me in five years. I can make it to the, I can make it to the master's games. Like, yikes, right. Masters. But I was like, I could do this. Like I got went all in. I, I just like, like made that my whole world. Um, until I moved away from, um, I moved back down to Florida cause we, me and my husband go back and forth and I hurt my shoulder. Um, wakeboarding, which was really sad because it was not even any good. It was just this whole thing. And then I just became inconsistent and I just decided to go back to my normal style of training, which was fine. Fast forward to this season, I go back up to CrossFit again and it's very, I'm very different. I, I wasn't as excited. I traveled a lot more. I wasn't as consistent. I would maybe hit like just like three Metcons a week. And honestly, my body composition got worse. So I wasn't, yeah, yeah. It actually got worse because CrossFit works when you're consistent and CrossFit only works when you're consistent that I'm, I'm a firm believer. Cause I've, I've been on both sides. Um, I tried to do strength training it was strength with it. I didn't do any of the Olympic lifting classes this year, but I did do the strength with it. And that was a saving grace for me. Cause if I wouldn't have done that, I would have looked, looked, worse and have performed worse because CrossFit workouts get you better at CrossFit workouts. That's just what it is. But strength work, Olympic lifting work, conditioning, gymnastics, that gets you better at like all these other things. And that shapes your body that really gets you stronger. Metcons like are great for you to get better at Metcons. And so like, if you're not somebody who like wants to compete or anything like, and my, my thought process is then eat, why do that? And like, why is that your only form of exercise? Most people who go to CrossFit go three to four days a week and they just hit a wad, which really you're only training hard for about 30 minutes, maybe depending on the type of workout and that's it. And there's no really progressive overload. There's no really anything like that in Metcons, like CrossFit, like in general is great, but the athletes that you see on TV and who train really hard, like they work out twice a day, six days a week. 
And that's what I was doing. I would sometimes do two a days. I would do two a days, um, not this, not this season, but last season, I would do two days, like six days a week. And it was the best I ever looked and felt. I actually felt amazing too. Like CrossFit didn't hurt my body. Like I was like, I felt invincible. I felt so good. But then one thing happened and I couldn't do like a lot of, I, I can't really fully extend and kip and like, and so I didn't do it at all. And then I just did my normal training, got back to CrossFit, was inconsistent with traveling and work. And it was not the same effect. So what are some tips if somebody's like a diehard CrossFitter? Like what are some tips you can give them to help them continue to progress in that mm-hmm. style if it's something they love? Um, and then I'd love to, and then we can dive into like the nutrition side of things, but I'll make those two yes. separate questions for you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So my advice would be to strength train four days a week, um, do like three, three wads a week and do like two conditioning a week. Like it's a lot and you might have to double up on some days, but if you double, if, if you break it up to where, if you do like conditioning in the morning and lifting at night, you're going to be fine. Are you going to have, you have plenty of time in between, but like, if you really want to succeed at CrossFit specifically, you have to do things that you have to realize that the things that you're doing are going to get you better at CrossFit. Even though my body composition looked great. Like I wasn't as like beefy as I used to be. Like I wasn't, I didn't look like a bodybuilder. I just looked like an athlete. So you have to be like mentally prepared for that shift because the body that you have is indicative of like the, of what you're doing. And so my, my coach who actually went on to go to the CrossFit games, 14th, like rookie of the year, super awesome. You know, he actually started in bodybuilding and he's like, once I came to CrossFit, he's like, I got smaller. I didn't like it. Cause I was like having that comfort. I'm like, I'm smaller. Like I need to do, I need to do like more like lateral raises or shoulders or something. I feel smaller. He's like, that's what happens. He's like, cause you're training so far over on this side over on the left side that you're coming into the middle and you're improving all these other areas. But some of these other areas, like your, like your muscle, um, like your hypertrophy might dwindle down a little bit to give room to more conditioning, improved like aerobic endurance, um, you know, improved mobility, improved speed with lifts. So you have to like understand that CrossFit is for athletes. It's for like CrossFit is to get better at CrossFit. And if you want to go just to be healthy, that's great. If you love it because you just, it's a style of workout that you enjoy, that's awesome too. But if you're doing that, you have to supplement with conditioning on your own, like like slow steady state conditioning, because that's just like, they call it monostructural work in the CrossFit realm and strength training. Like you have to like train strength still. And most people, they, they go into CrossFit because they only have an hour a day. And so that's the hard thing. If you only have an hour a day, four days a week, I would argue that CrossFit's probably not going to be the best thing for you. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong and everybody's different. For me personally, it was not. Like I would get in sometimes only two, two wads a week. And um, like I said, my body composition was very, very different. Very interesting. Do you think CrossFit is a good option for weight loss? Mm. I think that it can be. I don't want to say no because I've seen it. I've seen people like just transform because, well, it depends on what you're currently doing. If you're going from doing nothing to something, if you're going from like not pushing very hard to pushing very hard, I mean, you're probably going to see results with anything. That doesn't even have to be CrossFit. Um, As far as like weight loss, I mean, it depends. It's that's so hard. 
it's a really stressful thing on your body um, to do those types of workouts. And a lot of women like don't, don't hold that very well in it. They hold it in inflammation and then they're pairing it with a calorie deficit, which is another stressful thing on their body. And they're wondering why they can't like get past like that plateau is because they're doing, putting all this stressful, their body in these stressful situations that their body eventually just has to like adapt and survive. And so, um, I think that it can be great, good for weight loss for some. And then for some, um, it's probably not an ideal. That's not a great answer. But (laughs) I feel like that's all I can come up with right now. How did your eating have to change when you did CrossFit? Um, I, so I actually, when I started CrossFit, I was actually coming out of a deficit. So Ian helped me kind of like reverse, reverse diet up and like get to a good maintenance phase. And then honestly, like, because I was coming out of, probably I would say six years, six or seven years of hard strength training four days a week. I think it set me up really well for CrossFit. That's important too. It's like you you have to feel like where if I would have started with CrossFit, I probably wouldn't have looked like that. I wouldn't have looked like that. I wouldn't have performed that way. I had a very solid muscle base before I started CrossFit. And so a lot of people go and have no muscle base and it just, it's, it takes a long, there takes them a long time. Um, so as far as eating goes, I just like ate more. I ate more and I, I ate, I don't even, I wasn't even tracking. I wasn't, I was, it wasn't even weighing myself when, when I was started, like when I first started across, I wasn't weighing myself, wasn't tracking. I just know like, like I had to eat and my body just adapted really well to it. And because I was eating a lot, I was able to train a lot and train really hard. This time around, I actually tried to be in a calorie deficit and go to CrossFit, and it didn't work because of everything else going on in my life. So stressful, stressful life, stressful job, stressful um, CrossFit workouts, calorie deficit, perfect storm for me to like look very average. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. Like those, I always joke, I'm terrified of CrossFit. And like I've told Ian this and he, I would always be like, well, incorporate some exercises so I can feel like more confident because CrossFit is definitely a different style of exercise than I think a lot of others because there is that higher intensity Metcon style. And if you're not familiar with that, it's kind of looking like what you would maybe call an AMRAP or you're moving through fairly high intensity movements, trying to go for a time. So there's a really competitive aspect to it, which is why a lot of athletes do move into the CrossFit realm. And then a lot of classes also do have some strength component where you are doing something like cleans or snatches or something. Um, I know that a lot of people are doing like uh, front squats, box squats, things like that. I'm not sure if every class is structured that way or if it's specific to the gyms. Uh, But the one I'm thinking of, there is both aspects to it. Um, But something I found, um, I know somebody that goes to CrossFit. And while I was looking through the programmed workouts, I found that the programming that was happening at this particular gym never allowed for proper recovery if you were going to CrossFit every single day because they were working on that same skill set for an entire cycle. Let's just call it a week at a time or whatever. But that meant that you're doing cleans or front squats every single day or sometimes three to four times a week 
which is extremely high volume of that movement to continue on. And it allows for limited recovery, add on all of the stress, add on a majority of people are under eating if they are athletes anyway. And it just, it doesn't always seem to be as beneficial as people want it to be. And that's not to say if you love CrossFit and you've seen results from it, I think that it can be really great. But I think that people oftentimes go towards things that seem easy or seem popular at the time and it may not be the best fit for them and they don't know how to find something else because well they just like don't know what's out there for them or what might work for them exactly yeah yeah every box is different on how they program i will say that like the programming at the gym up in Minneapolis was like really, really good. Um, yeah, we would hit some muscle groups the same every week, but you know what? It's, but it was different intensities. Um, and it, it was just, it was just very well thought out. And I've also been to a gym where I'm like, this is, this is maddening, maddening. Like I, I can't even do this. Like I'm not even going to come. This is not enjoyable for me. Like, so yeah, I've seen both sides of it. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, I am still traumatized. I went to – my sister used to be really into CrossFit, and I went to a CrossFit class with her. I might have still been in high school at this point. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I went to our, like, college rec center and took a CrossFit class, and it's to this day, like, one of the only workouts I've ever puked from. So I am, like, mm-hmm. super traumatized because we had to run a big hill, and I was, like, not having it. I just remember, sure. I think it was a Christmas one where it was like 12 days of Christmas. Oh, that's, that's, and, that's the reason you should have just not done that. I got swindled into taking this CrossFit class and I've just been terrified mm-hmm. to go back since. I feel that. I feel that. I love that. Okay. So besides CrossFit, you are now going back into your normal training style of more of the strength building. Would you say that you focus more on like a bodybuilding style? No, I would say more just like more athlete style. I'm doing currently I'm doing three full body days per week. Um, So I'm doing that and I'm doing a fun accessory day that just I move my body in a way that feels really good. Uh, lately I've been struggling with, the um, desire to even lift because I mean, I've been lifting for 10 plus years. So it's like getting to a point where I'm like, what am I, what's this for? And I haven't had a goal. I haven't competed anything like in a while. And so focusing on like moving my body because I am worth it and I'm worth taking care of. And it's more of a, like, I'm already enough. So I'm training just to feel good and, and my quote unquote person make them feel good. Like my, 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 my avatar, my body. Right. So, um, kind of shifting my perspective there and getting, um, training three currently like f- three full body days per week. Cause, cl- cause quite literally I'm not advanced really to do anything else. I think that you have to be very advanced to do body bodybuilding splits. And I'm at the point where I took, I have taken weeks off of training recently. And so for me to go into a bodybuilding split, I would get nothing out of that. So going and doing what I know is going to like get me the best results in like the sh- honestly the shortest amount of time. I so love that. I think people really underestimate full body days. I will oftentimes when clients ha- are doing about three days a week, I always recommend three full body days. I think it's a really great way to, like you said, get the most bank out of your buck, you know? You get to do a lot of really big movements. You can sort of split it to 
a full body day that has more lower focus or a full body day that has more upper focus and then really focusing on some of that fun accessory work that feels good for your body and it's more of that hypertrophy style, higher reps, whatever. Um, And I I just think that a lot of people don't enjoy full body work and want that full split. And so they'll let me, they want their full like lower body day, upper body day, and um, don't really know how to mix that in. So it's nice to hear like even from a coach's perspective that sometimes it is good to have those full body days, to have those things um, mixed into your your workouts or your regimen because it's important to move your body. And like you said, people oftentimes, and I know you can agree with this, don't have goals. And that's where they really struggle with their fitness because they don't have something they're necessarily working toward or working for. But that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I think that not having a goal isn't bad. It's just realizing that we don't move our bodies for that specific goal. We move our bodies because it makes us feel good and it makes us feel healthy. And movement doesn't necessarily mean doing a full body day or going to CrossFit or going to Orange Theory, that just might mean taking your dog out for a really long walk. Right. Yeah. And that's really, really hard for these former competitive athletes to understand because they've always been conditioned to train for practice, train to compete. You are like, you are the goal. You are an athlete and this is your goal and this is your competition date. This is what. And so it's like really like they get out of this and they're like, well, then what do I do now? And they're not okay with just like being themselves, like being themselves, which is perfect in every way. And like moving their body and just like focus on again, like taking care of themselves. Or like, what is that? Like, I'm I need a goal. So we encourage and evolve for athletes to, especially these former athletes, like find find a triathlon, a, a marathon if you're if you want to do that, a Spartan race, a powerlifting meet. So like our big goal for Evolve is 30% of our athletes will compete in a sport with, during their time with us. And so helping them figure out what that is. And then, but also again, on the thick, on the flip side of that being okay, if you don't have a goal, like just because you don't have a goal, that doesn't mean that you can't train hard and eat well. Yeah. And I think even specifically, like when I was working with Ian, I don't, I didn't really have a goal and I still like, I would not say that where I'm currently at, at this time, I don't really have any specific goals. My goal is to honestly stay as strong and as lean-ish as possible while still building muscle so that when I do choose to compete, I will go in with a really good foundation and it's going to take, it's going to take me less work to compete because I've already built that foundation up and I can just kind of naturally transition. I already have down the four to five days of training. I already have down a cardio regimen. I already have my steps down. I have these habits built and it'll be easy to go into. And then I can take a full season, a full year to go back to not really having a goal if I choose not to. And so I think that's almost good for people to like go through that phase of not necessarily having that because the workouts I did while not having a goal were still some of the best workouts because my goal was just to move and to work hard and to like get in the gym. It wasn't enjoyable all the time because again, I wasn't striving for anything, but I was just striving for like movement and health and strength. That's awesome. That's awesome that even as a former athlete, you're, you're, that's kind of your mentality because I wish it was more of y'all's mentality, but I get it. I get it, man. Like you said, you're like, you went from this, this, I literally went from like bodybuilding to powerlifting to bodybuilding to strongman 
to powerlifting again, to cross. It's like, okay, what's going on here? Like, am I just not okay with not having, a, am I not okay with just being and just like moving my body? Cause it feels good. And I had to actually ask myself, like, do I have discipline if I'm not attached to a goal? And that was a really hard conversation with myself. And the answer was no, Kayla, I don't. And so I've had to rebuild some discipline habits and, um, it's weird saying that out loud, but that's, that's just what had to happen. And so I think like sometimes we can usually, override discipline with motivation. If you're somebody who's like highly motivated, like I feel like I'm highly motivated. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm like super disciplined. So, you know, when you're highly motivated, you can kind of get away with not having as much discipline because your that motivation will carry you, um, until it doesn't. So building disciplined habits is, is key. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm like this weird mix of, I actually think I'm both. I think I have I'm fairly motivated as a person, especially when it comes to my health and fitness. Um, And I would say I'm actually a very disciplined person as well. But, you know, we're human at the end of the day. Coaches are not. Um, We're human and we go through the same things that our clients go through. We know what it's like. That motivation is not always there. That discipline is not always there either. And so just finding that fine balance is really, really important. And I know you said that you wish more athletes had this mentality. Now, I am probably the least competitive former athlete you will ever meet. Uh, Most people that were athletes at some point are extremely competitive. I am not very competitive, and I will pretty much let anybody else win in front of me. Or if I lose, I'll just pretend that I don't care. Um, (laughs) And I just won't let it affect me all that much. And so uh, I think it's important to also just kind of know who you are and choose things that work towards your strengths and don't work towards things that don't benefit you. If you are not a competitive person, maybe CrossFit isn't for you. Maybe you are going to do really well working out by yourself and you've just never tried it. Or If you don't really have a goal and you just want to move your body, maybe classes are a really great option for you and trying something like class pass where you get to do tons of different classes. Now, the result may look extremely different, but any sort of movement is going to be important. But if you're looking for a specific goal of um, building muscle, then maybe, like I said, maybe CrossFit isn't for you. Maybe strength training and bodybuilding is more your speed. And so it's just finding things that work towards your strengths and not work against you. I have something really funny. You want to hear this? Yeah, tell me. I just looked at my (laughs) – my husband can hear me. And he said, but you were an athlete in college. You were a sorority beer Olympics, an oiled up slip and slide athlete. Oh, he is calling you out so (laughs) hardcore. That is amazing. Oh, okay. Now I don't want to talk anymore. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hey, we have all had our things. Like we all know nobody, you know, it's so funny. Recently, somebody told me, I don't remember who I was talking to about college athletics. And I had said something about the football. It was like somebody that had played football in college. And there was a conversation in regards to partying. And they said, oh Mm. no, we didn't party. Like we were college athletes. Like we never really drank. And I was like, wait, what? They said, (laughs) oh my gosh, like the athletes threw the best parties in college. And I don't know what y'all's football team was doing. I mean, ours was not amazing at the time. So that very well may explain it. But like our college athletes were crazy, crazy. Like they threw the best parties and it was so fun. Same. But we, I went to a small school, so. 
I feel like my school was definitely, it's not a small, it's not a huge school, but it's not particularly small school. It is rapidly growing. Um, but no, Kayla, this has been so fun. I knew that we would go in a multitude of directions with this conversation, uh, but I just really appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your expertise and your opinions about fitness and life. And uh, I love hearing fun stories about you uh, in college because you're no fun anymore. And I'm just kidding. Uh- <laughs> But no, this has been absolutely great. So if you can just let our listener know, listeners know where they can find you if they want to um, follow you or hear more of what you have to say. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been so fun. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, Instagram, obviously, it's 2023. So that's the best way to get a hold of anybody, I feel like. But it's underscore. So it's at underscore Kayla Diamond. One word. Um, and then also too, our coaching, um, platform is evolve health and performance. We help a lot of former athletes, um, and we're under or evolve underscore HP. So you can check us out there. Uh, that's why I think the best way to get a hold of us with any questions. Um, but yeah, we're always giving like free resources out all of this good stuff. So yeah, definitely pop on by and tell us that you listen to this podcast. It'll be, it'll be fun conversation. Amazing. And for everybody listening, just remember to be bold, to be confident, and to be you. Love that.